Um, you can come on up and show. If you want to come up, show you can. It's up to you. <laughs> she says no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> so we want to welcome them today. Um, they'll be here this week and next week. And then... Um, Next week, we'll have question and answers after the service and then um, a cookout. Remember, next week also is our um, time for our uh, back-to-school bash, so we're excited about that. So, so welcome them. Uh, feel free after the service to speak with them and talk with them. So, um, so give them a big round of applause. now? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Who was the uh, Northern Kentucky security guy, guard? Oh, yeah, my wife went there. You see any names scratched on any of the buildings? <laughs> we both went to UK, too, but then we moved to Cincinnati. She took some more courses, and that was the coldest place in 40 states. So you wear coats and stuff all the time? Yeah. Any other uh, police officers? I want to point out where you are. <laughs> no, we used to have uh, at our church, we started a church in Cincinnati, Milford. And we'd never had any trouble with somebody trying to come in and start trouble, but then we got to thinking, where are some of the softest targets in the country? Where would they be? In the church, because everybody's looking this way, nobody's back there, and so we got a couple security guards, and every person that had up any pent-up anger wanted to be one. <laughs> so we had a multitude of security guards, and they had to have, you know, uh, concealed carry, so we had to get licensed and everything, and so we just got those, and we had them positioned, maybe, and they had a whole plan about how they want to escort me out. They said, now, we're going to do this and this, and then we want you to run out that way. I said, I'm not running out that way. There goes our mighty leader, running out. I said, I'm not running out anywhere, guys. I'd never be able to show my face in here again, and so not long after that, a guy came in, and he was a part of a, a white supremacist group. And uh, they had put uh, little flyers on our parking lot cars in, cars in the parking lot the week before. And so uh, I called him. I said, you know, this is private property. I appreciate you not doing that again. Well, I'll come down and talk to you about it. I said, I really don't want to talk about it. Just please don't respect our property and don't come back. Okay, well, the next week, unbeknownst to us, he came back. But he came back in the church. So about the time when we'd have people come down and get prayer or accept Christ, this guy in his 50s, 60s, he just starts slowly walking down. And he stops right there. And uh, he's, I said, yeah, can I help you? Because I'm used to people saying, I'll be down and we'll, 
we had a whole, whole prayer team that so would pray for people. Or sometimes they wanted to talk to me. I said, uh, can we have one of our ushers come over and we'll show you what we do here. Now, I remember, one thing I remember, it's funny what you remember in the midst of things, like when you have a wreck or something. You remember, and I remember his finger was right around where the book of Revelation is. And I'm thinking, uh-oh. Oh, thanks. This, in case, this is in case I stop too soon, I'll write some more. That really fires you up, doesn't it? Have you ever heard anybody, man, he didn't preach long enough. But anyway, the guy comes down, and he stands out there, and then he puts the Bible over his chest. And then he, I said, could we have our ushers come down? He puts his Bible over his chest, faces the congregation, and says, touch me and I'll sue you. We had to call the Miami Township Police Department to get him out of there. The next week, we started the security ministry. <laughs> Because you never know. You know, it, it's bad, but I don't, you know, the way I look at it is I'm responsible for people's health and well-being in the church. And, and the leaders are. Everybody is, but in particular the leaders. And I don't want people hurt physically, spiritually, emotionally. That's, that's our job. And so we never had any more problems after that. But all the ushers were hoping we would. They were fired up. Well, today, I'm going to talk about something that is at the heart of the Christian faith, and that would be the cross. When was the last time you heard a message on the cross? Maybe it was last week, week before, never. I got to thinking about that. We see crosses, but do we really know what the message of the cross is about? That was a central, often repeated message by Paul in, in the New Testament. The message of the cross. And it's not necessarily a message about a particular kind of cross, but it's a message what the cross represents and what the cross does in our life. And we need to know what it's all about, and that's what I want to talk about today. Paul said the cross is the wisdom and the manifestation of God's power. So, I want to talk, why is it so important to us, though? Well, when Jesus came, in Matthew 5, 17, Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. So, Jesus came to fulfill the law, all the Old Testament law, all the prophets, all the Old Testament word. And he had just finished a message about, it's not necessary not just the act itself, it's the motive. It's the heart. So we just finished a message in the, the uh, Sermon on the Mount about the motive of the heart. It's just not murder, it's anger. It's not just adultery, it's lust. So, you know, I should have preached a sermon on lust this morning. That brought out a crowd. But what we do is we take this and think, oh, my, this standard's too hard to fulfill. I can't do this. And that's what some people do is they think, oh, man, I can't do this. And some people give up because they don't understand what Jesus was saying and what the cross represented. So Jesus said, I came not, I came not to abolish the prophets and the law, but I came to 
fulfill. That's a key word. I came to fulfill. That's completion. The cross is all about completion, number one. Let's look at uh, John 19.30. When Jesus had received the drink, he said, it is finished. He didn't say, I'm finished. He said, it's finished. What's it? All of God's law. Everything was fulfilled. That's what he came to do. Now, I think a lot of times what we think is, oh, Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins, but then we got to take up that same cross in order to live the Christian life. We do have to take up a cross, but it is not the cross of salvation. That cross finished everything that we would need to be reconciled to God. If you don't know that or believe it, you're going to be miserable as a Christian the rest of your life. And I don't want to be miserable. Been married 40 years. Shay calls it the wilderness wanderings. So, to be fulfilled means to be completed. So, Jesus on the cross completed everything God required for any of us to be saved, forgiven, reconciled. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? Oh, don't leave now. I don't think we know what that means. You know why? Because we don't have what? Oh, I know. I'm just got some nice hair going there. So if we thought that everything that we need in order to be right with God, to be sanctified, justified, reconciled, Jesus had accomplished at the cross, how would that make you feel tomorrow? After you fell short and missed the mark, how would that feel tomorrow? That in spite of your failures, you are still reconciled and justified to God. How would that make you feel? Well, a lot of people would say, well, what's the whole point of living a Christian life then? You mean to tell me that I don't have to be perfect for God to love me? That's what I'm saying. But see, that's what, not what we think because our flesh just can't process that. Works is, about, works is about if I do right, God rewards me. If I don't do right, God doesn't reward me. If I do right, God loves me. If I don't do right, God doesn't love me. Jesus did right for all of us. The, the sacrifice Jesus made at the cross is good enough for all of us, for all time. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that all who believe in him should not perish but receive eternal life. Now that'll make you happy. It really will. You don't preach the cross to lower the standard, you preach the cross to free people from all kinds of human-made standards because everything human-made is all about works. How long would you have your job if you didn't work at it during the week? See, nowhere is the cross 
more important than in our life, in our heart. And I'm glad that God sent His Son to pay the price, to complete it for all time for everybody, before I did one wrong or right thing. When did Jesus die for you and me? Before you accepted Him? I'm just glad He died before any of us were born so that we know it wasn't about our works. But whenever we believe what He did, that He's God's Son and what He did for us, then we are reconciled to God, restored to Him, forgiven, and given the Holy Spirit. When did the Holy Spirit come? Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover, 50 days after Jesus was crucified, the Holy Spirit came, and then the Holy Spirit filled the people there, and then Peter stands up with the other ones and preaches what this is because some, they were speaking in different languages. Why were they speaking in different languages? Because there were people there in the crowd that, were, that spoke different languages. So the Holy Spirit comes to make communication with God better, not worse. So now the Holy Spirit's in us, Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. God will give you the gift of his Holy Spirit. So they did. He did. And now you've got the Holy Spirit, who's the presence of God, living in each of us. And what is the Holy Spirit? A gift. There's nothing we did to earn His salvation or His Holy Spirit. What don't we get about this? Because we need both of those things before we can do one good thing that's going to last for eternity. So, of all places, the church should be the place where there's tons and tons of grace. But that's not the way it is. And I have contributed to that over the years. I've been in the ministry a while. As you can tell by my graying hair on the side. Most of the time we want people to do so well and not give them an excuse to sin that we talk very little about grace and a whole lot about other things. What you got to do. I mean we had a membership class. We had to get to know the staff class. We had so many things about getting people to work. And then church becomes a place to work. That's why it's not a home anymore. And so I've known people that left the church to get out of working. They said, Brother Steve, Brother Steve, we don't call, they didn't call us reverends, but they called us brother very reverently. Brother Steve, I had to go. They just disappear. Well, I just didn't want to not work or quit, so I left. That's why you need people with different jobs. When you grew up, when you were growing up or grew up, did you have chores around the house? Everybody had a chore. I had to mow my lawn. And they, we lived on a hill. Everybody in eastern Kentucky lives on a hill. <laughs> People say, those crazy hillbillies, why don't they just build their house not right by the creek? Find a place. <laughs> so my job was to mow the grass. And then one day Dad said, hey, Steve, I think I'd like to plant a bunch of white pines. I got a guy from the State Department's going to give me a thousand white pines. Now what I need you to do 
is if you would grub off all that, those trees and that brush up there. You know what grubbing is? Taking it out by the root. Until you take it out by the roots, it's going to keep coming back. So there I went. No problem, Dad. Oh, my God. All summer. I can't believe I even had the energy. It's amazing how much energy you had when you were, like, in your teens. And I dug all those up, and then, then I planted, I planted, I planted, I planted the other ones. And now those little white pines were, like, this tall are, like, 35 to 40 feet tall. And when I go in, I look over to my wife, I said, I planted all those trees. Only problem with white pines is they don't have a deep root system, so they all started falling over. <laughs> Didn't work out so well. But I remember that we had to grub it out. We had to grub that stuff out. Well, you know the Bible talks about a root of bitterness. What causes a root of bitterness? Anger unforgiveness that was allowed to be planted in there and then it's got to be dug out don't let it become a root the bible says if you're angry with your brother or sister and all of us are all of us there's nothing wrong with anger until it takes root you got to work you got to work and work hard on forgiveness don't you who said it was going to be easy to forgive one of the hardest things I ever did but the Bible says you have to work on getting it out of there or something worse will happen you have a root of bitterness in your heart and then it's really hard to get out so we need to work on it and that's why we need Jesus in salvation in sanctification and that's why Jesus said take my cross take up your cross not his cross your cross what is our cross our cross is not letting our flesh tell us what to do all the time. Somebody said the, the way to treat your flesh is like a spoiled child that you just have to keep saying no to. The more you give into, the more it will want. So it, we have to discipline our bodies or our bodies will take over. All i got to do is turn this way sideways, and you'll know that it's starting to take over with me. <laughs> you know, I keep my body like this so other people won't feel badly about theirs. <laughs> That's what I tell them up at Planet Fitness. Anybody remember Planet Fitness? But don't you hate to go into a, a, a gym, and here comes this guy, barely walk, and, and these girls, and it's like, I don't want to be one of those. When they see me coming in, I go, wow, I look as good as he does, or better. I feel, you know, the no judgment zone. That's what Planet Fitness is, the no, no judgment zone. Well, the church ought to be like Planet Fitness. It's a no judgment zone because eventually if I keep coming back, eventually I will do some good in my body. My hardest decision is getting in the car, driving up to the parking lot, getting out, walking in. But once I'm in, something good is going to happen. But you've got to have a wide open door to let everybody come that wants to come. Jesus said, narrow is the way, straight is the way, and narrow is the gate that leads to life. But he didn't mean the beginning of it. You got, 
I mean, how many people were allowed to come to Jesus when he was roaming around here? And what does the book of Revelations, you know, I didn't know there was, I thought there were numbers of the book of Revelations when I was young in eastern Kentucky. The book of Revelations, there's only one book, the Revelation. So Jesus, the end of Revelation, whosoever wants to come can come and take a drink of the water of life. So it's an open invitation. Anybody ever heard of Bill Hybels? He's kind of gone through some rough stuff here lately. It kind of surprised me. We used to go back in, in the day. We used to go up to, to uh, South Barrington, Chicago, and do conferences. And he used to talk about that people will not quit sinning. They'll just go underground with it. So, you know, if it's a strict environment... They'll keep doing what they're doing if they don't understand grace and sanctification, but they'll just go underground and do it. And guess what happens? It keeps popping up everywhere, like sewage, like a broken sewer pipe. You know, you know what the number one cause of anger in my studies? Unresolved anger. I mean, the, hang on a minute. The number one cause of not anger, huh? No, I'll think about it. Let me stick that in a sermon. It was a really good point. (laughs) But maybe God wants you guys to finish the point. What is it we think, well, a good message is about or a good church service is about Give me everything I need, and I never have to think for myself. No, it's just giving you a taste so that you're motivated to think more about it and do something about it. Some things can only learn, be learned in the street. People, use, Somebody used to say, the meat's in the street. There's some things you don't get in. You can only take in so much information, and then you start doing something, then you learn about it. I mean, you know, you could tell me a thousand times about how to do something, but when I need to do it, that's when my knowledge comes in handy. And then when I practice it, I learn it. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. So you hear, you see, but the way you learn is you do. So we in the church, Christians are called to practice righteousness. So if somebody doesn't think that you're a very good Christian, agree with them. And say, yeah, I've been practicing all my life. And then follow up with, you ought to see me before I became a Christian. If you think this is bad, you ought to see me before. See, you never know. See, it's like being a Christian sometimes is like the before and after, except it's before and after, before again, and after again, and before again. But if you know that you're justified, reconciled by God's grace through Jesus, that won't be a big deal because you can come back. It's amazing the paradox of Jesus on the cross completing everything for us that grace, when received and appreciated, makes us more motivated to live for Jesus. Who's your daddy? I mean, didn't Jesus say, you know, you, 
if you quit laughing, I'll continue. <laughs> this is, hey, this is not about having fun and joy in the church. You know, if there's one thing that I've gotten hit for all over the years many times, it's just having fun. People will let people get away with anything except and have, except and, except and having a little bit of joy in the church. But if they don't have it in the church on Sunday morning, they're going to have it in the bar on Friday night. So why not have some good, clean fun? I'm not talking about not taking it serious, but can't you take something seriously and still have fun at it? Anyway, first, oh, am I just there? Okay, there you go. I tell you what you'll learn later is wherever, whatever you want to put up, I'll start there. <laughs> For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is what? The power of God. So it's all about completion. Because God took all, or Jesus took all the Old Testament, and God put Jesus on the cross, and and. Jesus fulfilled it all, and then he also became the lamb, and now everything that was expected of us, Jesus has done for us. Jesus loved the whole world by also completing everything that we lacked. Isn't that nice? Well, so, secondly, it's all about invitation. I remember when I was walking, working at Ashland Oil Refinery, my dad was a supervisor there when I was back in college, and he'd get me jobs in the summertime. And I was working, he would put me with uh, these pipe fitters that were also good welders so I could get some on-the-job, really valuable experience. And so I was working with this one guy uh, for three months. And then during that three-month period, I left on a Friday as a, a heathen and I came back on Monday as a Christian I accepted Christ over the weekend at my wife's church down in Mount Vernon Kentucky go rock Castle County Rockets and so I you know how a new Christian is just like a new baby everything's new they're on fire man I mean I people couldn't stand to be around me because I would just yeah I wouldn't judge them I was just happy if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it. Yeah, there you go. So I came back on Monday, man, and I was on fire. And finally this guy comes out of the closet and says, oh, I'm a Christian. I said, really? Well, I'd have never known that. And I said, because for one thing, you never invited me to your church. You never said a thing about Jesus. I would not have had a clue that you were a Christian. I wouldn't judge him. I just said, why didn't you make it? No, how can you hide that? How can you hide it? How can you hide when you know you are forgiven? Holy Spirit's living in you. I mean, I know it gets old living in the world. And we all have hard times. I'm not saying you need to 
look like you're on drugs all the time, but half of America is. You know, I mean, we need Christ, the Holy Spirit, and drugs. But sometimes you just need some help, right? But if you know that your spirit is reconciled, your spirit is saved, then you won't be so paranoid about somebody thinking that you're not perfect. Hey, the word's out. You're not perfect. People, once you, oh, I didn't, I didn't know you knew that about, hey, People know more about our weaknesses and faults than we do. Anybody married here? Yeah. If I want to know about you, all I've got to do is ask your spouse. But your spouse still loves you, even though you're not perfect, right? Because a multitude, love covers a multitude of sins. What we need in the church more is more love. That's why Jesus said, go love one another as I have loved you. All righty then. So, first, yeah, First Corinthians one twenty four. You're doing great back there. I'm not easy to follow. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. So how is it that Jesus is the power and wisdom of God on the cross? I didn't write the answer, so I'm waiting on you. <laughs> Let me get back to the last page here. Because, as we said, if somebody, anybody owe, owe more than uh, $10,000 on a vehicle? Anybody want to buy our vehicle? <laughs> well, guess what? What if somebody came and said, okay, I'm going to buy that car and then give it back to you? That's what Jesus did. Jesus bought us. And then he lets us live our life. That's pretty cool, isn't it? You know, somebody bought us not one, but two Hummers. Two H3 Hummers. One in 206, a black one, and one in 209, a blue one. That was a total of $38,000 a piece. Just walked up and said, pick it out. And she bought it actually for Shay. And then when we went up to the Hummer dealership, that was before the government took over, and there was one. And I said, well, what about me, Lane? Well, if she wants to let you drive it, she can. <laughs> okay. So we pulled off without owing a penny on a $38,000 vehicle. And then in three years later, she called us up again and said, where are you guys? I think we're ba basically going the same direction when she called the second time. And I said, oh, we're uh, you know, over at Eastgate heading south. She said, meet me at the Hummer dealership. I could tell what she was going to do. Met us over there, and here was the beautiful Kentucky blue 
H3 Hummer 209. And I said, and the week before, she had showed up at church wearing a UK shirt, which I'd never seen her wear. Go Tennessee. <laughs> you guys do volunteer, that's for sure. So we come driving off the lot with that one. So we have two H3 Hummers sitting in our parking lot or our driveway at home. And the guy across the street, good friend of mine, he was a dyed-in-the-wool Catholic guy that, I mean, we, we were just cutting up all the time. And he knew the church that I ministered, where I ministered, and he knew that we didn't have any money. All we had was a lot of people. But a lot of young people equals not very much money. And so he looks over and he said, I could see kind of things spinning in his head. And then I said, hey, Ed, the government program at work right here, buddy. And so I said, Elaine, that bought us those, what are we supposed to tell people? Because everybody's starting to wonder, and they started rumors like preacher must be dipping into offering. Or, I mean, you know, you, you would wonder, wouldn't you? She said, this is what you're to tell them. Tell them that your father that owns the cattle on a thousand hills sold one and bought you that. You couldn't have gotten it, but receive it and drive it. And if you think that's something, tell them that God gave his, his only son and that beats a Hummer all to pieces. I've told that story in five countries. You can see people's eyes. Sure be the track. That's the gift that keeps on giving. Jesus was something a lot better than a car that God gave for each of us. People ought to be asking us, why are you so happy? Because of what God did. It's not what we did, it's what he did. That's why it's about a celebration. You know, I hate to go places where people have to be whipped up to be happy. You know, it's like, and all God's people said? Well, if all God's people want to say something, I think we've got enough sense to say it. <laughs> you don't have to be coaxed to be, you know, you don't have to be coaxed to be happy. I mean, I like happy churches, but I don't like fake smiles. You know, people meeting it, by the way, you guys are real here. So it's not fake. I don't like fake smiles. Hey, brother. <laughs> what we usually say is, whoa, keep him away from the caffeine. <laughs> but a church that has coffee tends to be happier on the average. <laughs> That's just my opinion. <laughs> I, just, I quit drinking. That's why I quit drinking Listen to what Jesus, when he talks about a picture of salvation, this is what he uses in John or Luke 14, 16. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell the, them they had been invited. Come, for everything is now ready. But they wouldn't come. Now, that is an illust he's illustrating 
how God had chosen the Jews and that he was offering them after all these years his own son and this he's inviting them to come to salvation come to receive what he was giving them but they wouldn't because Jesus didn't look like he they thought he should how many people have rejected the Christ or rejected the church after a few years because you guys don't look like I thought you did or Jesus didn't is, there's all the first 10 years of my Christian life I was just undoing things that I unlearning things that I thought I knew about the church and Christ oh I thought in my opinion well it's not about your thoughts or your opinion what did Jesus say because if they missed him the first time we're going to misunderstand him the second time and then you take the Holy Spirit that now represents him in us and he's invisible that's going to make it more difficult. Well, what's the Spirit? What's not the Spirit? Well, we know what the fruit of the Spirit is, right? If it looks like Jesus, smells like Jesus, tastes like Jesus, it's Jesus. Jesus wouldn't do that. I don't care what you say God told you to do. And God does speak to our hearts. He speaks through the Word. He speaks through dreams. He speaks to our heart. But we've got to compare everything to the Word and everything to the fruit of what Jesus would do. So just attach WWJD to anything that you're thinking or want to do. And if it's not something Jesus would do, it ain't Jesus. Jesus didn't lie. Jesus didn't steal. I mean, really simple. doesn't have to be so weird. Some people get into, you know, I'm filled with the Spirit, and they become all weird. Somebody say, well, if you're weird on Sunday, you can be weird all during the week. <laughs> But if you're not weird on, during the week, don't be weird on Sunday. This one guy, he'd never blink. He's all oh, I'm under the anointing. And he just thought, well, if that's what the anointing looks like, I don't want any part of it, man. Because you're scaring me to death. You're scaring me to death. Jesus looked like an average person. The only thing that made him different was how he loved and his power that he used for people's benefits you know why God doesn't give us more power this is one reason because we can't handle it we can barely handle what we got now I mean somebody gives us a compliment and it's like oh wow hmm here I come to save the day Paul said the only thing that kept him humble from going crazy was the messenger of Satan to torment him why do you think we have troubles in our life and things like that because it's to keep us humble so that we don't go off the rails I don't want to go off the rails do you well anyhow so there's more people that can come here right because we are to invite them everything's ready right so we can bring more in right it's not just us four and no more the Lord sent his son to die for every single human being what a terrible thing for them not to take advantage of it well we better quit there what time you got Five till? Five till what? 
Well, I'll tell you what. I want to I say a prayer. You guys have been through a lot. You have. But you haven't stopped. And you're not going to. You know, they say if a church is going to die altogether, it's going to happen in the first few years. But it's not going to happen here. Because you've been through it. And now you have patience. You love each other. That's a good thing. I'll tell you right now, just from what I know of you, if I lived down here somewhere, I'd come here. Especially if I was preaching. <laughs> no, whether, whether, whether I come here or not is not the point. The point is who you guys are. And you've been through a lot in your short time as a church. So keep going. If you've been through hell, don't stop now. Just keep going. Keep walking. Well, I'm going to have a prayer. And then after the prayer, if anybody would like prayer, I'd be glad to pray for you, Shay, uh, and if there's anybody else. Do you guys have prayer teams on it at the end of the service right now? Some are going no, some are going yes. Okay, well then what we can do is if anybody would like prayer for anything, then come up because uh, we'd always had prayer. We'd have, I think Shay was over about 50 prayer teams. So at the end of the service, we would just... And they were all trained, you know, we'd want them to be trained things to do and not to do and, you know, not to touch people where they shouldn't be touched and all that stuff. So we want to invite you up for prayer, and I'd be glad, we'd be glad to pray for you. You don't have to tell us what your needs are, or you can, either one. So that's, what, that's how we'll finish it. And I really appreciate being with you today. Uh, and I'll probably see you next week. <laughs> if not, happy trails to you until we meet again. I always wanted to sing that in church. <laughs> so I started, we started our church, and I thought, okay, if we can't sing it now, we'll never be able to sing it. So at the end of our services one time, we said, okay, let's sing the benediction. Happy trails. There were some people there for the, new, the first time, and you can always tell them. They're <laughs> this one person said, after they came to our church, they said, you guys have a cross around? You have a cross around here? They wanted to make sure we were legit. Because <laughs> if you got a cross, I said, no, we don't, because we're meeting in a vocational school. We are the cross. We are to have the cross in here. We are to represent Jesus out there. Sometimes you don't feel like it. Well, when I wasn't in a good mood, I wouldn't represent him with what I was saying. I'd just be quiet. Sometimes when you're going through difficult things, you don't feel like doing much. So just take a break. You don't have to do everything. You don't have to be happy all the time. 
just be real. And the Holy Spirit will work in and through you, I promise you. Father in heaven, oh, would you stand please? Thank you for the water. Ah, this is nice. Anybody want to drink? Do we not all drink of one cup? Mm. Heavenly Father, we thank you that all over this country and all over the world, there are people who are meeting together, encouraging one another, speaking your word, demonstrating your works that you have given us to do through your Holy Spirit. And we are just a part of that, but we are a part of that. So, Father, give us a, a big vision of what you want to do in this world and right here. Father, everything starts small, and I'm so thankful that your son represented that in the parables he told about the, seer and the sower and the seed or the leaven and the wheat. And, Father, we just want to do what you've called us to do as individuals and do it with other people with what you've called them to do. You've called all of us to know you, to know your love, and to love others to the best of our ability in response. We thank you, Father, and uh, just give us, give us a good Monday and a good Tuesday, and then next week we'll be back here again for part two of this same message. In Jesus' name, amen. I was kind of fibbing about the part two. Thank you. That's, that's probably only a, the uh, first or second time I've ever gotten a partial clap. Ha, ha, ha.